Hey, this is Pastor Ellie, one of the lead pastors of Bold Church. I wanted to say thank you for joining us today. If you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening at Bold Church, want to live stream a service, or find out when our next gathering is, head over to bold.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Is anyone excited to be in church? Come on. We have not met. My name is Ali and my beautiful wife and I, we started this crazy place called Bold five years ago with a dream. We wanted to create a place where not only Christians could come and build their faith. We, that's why we did all night prayer this last Friday. Anyone part of that last? We had 150 people in this room. And by the end of it, 5 a.m., the super spiritual people, there was 28 of us. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we were all zombies yesterday, by the way. Uh, and uh, God did something powerful. I'm, I'm so expecting what God's going to do in the coming weeks and months. Because to win the battle in the church, you got to win in the prayer closet. Amen? Uh, so a few announcements before we begin. Uh, for those of you that have been coming for a while, you know every month we do this thing called Growth Track. Who has graduated Growth Track? Raise your hand. Yeah, they're, they're shouting because they're excited because that's when church becomes fun. Not when you attend, but when you are part of the church. Not just attending, but you're building it. We created this class. It's a membership class to help you get connected. Listen, to help you take your next step. How do you get, how do you get into the life of this church? Some of you have been coming for a couple of weeks. Let me tell you why that is so significant. Last August, we were doing church at 5 p.m. The only people doing church at 5 p.m., the devil is sleeping at that time. Or church hoppers. They go from one church to the other. We did not grow for two years. After being at the Hotel Valencia and running 200 people after two years. And for two years, we didn't grow. And then since August to today, we have almost doubled in size. Doubled in size. It's a, it's a move of God. And what I don't want you to miss out on is you think the expectation is just to sit there and listen. No one's got the spiritual gift of sitting on your butt, okay? I want to help you take your next step. And one of the things that we do as a faith community is called Growth Track, where we eat dinner together, or it's a meal right after church. You get to hear the vision of the church. And the best part of that class is we design it with you in mind. We'll help you take your next steps. We help you discover your spiritual gifts. Because that's when church becomes fun, when you discover your why. Your why. And the other thing is uh, Mother's Day next, next week. Anyone, mom's in the house. Come on. Two of you. Awesome. <laughs> The rest of you are too tired to say anything. Next week, let me tell you, we're going to celebrate the moms. We have a photo booth. We've got, a, I think, a parfait bar out there. i got a great sermon for you moms. It's going to be great for everyone. Uh, but we're on a collection of talks called Beauty and the Beast. For those of you who knew, this is Pablo. And this is Paula. Uh, we do a collection of talks every year on relationships and week one of this relationship talks, we talked about loneliness. That loneliness is not the single condition, it's the human condition. And then week two, we talked about dating and relationships. What are the questions you ask? How do you get past your feelings? And today, I got to tell you, I just got to warn you, today's PG, parental guidance. If you're one of those parents that has a kid in the room, this is a, I'm going to give you 30 seconds <laughs> to walk your kid and drop them off in kids' church because today we're talking about sex. And if you're a little kid, you know what that word means? Ask your mom in the hallway. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what that is. The title of today's message is simply this, the birds and the bees. The bees and the birds. The birds and the bees. And I, not only do I give a PG for the, for the kids, I got to give a PG per, 
people guidance for some of you in this room. I'll be very honest. Today, what I'm going to teach is very controversial in the context of our culture right now. Some of you are going to be very offended at what I'm saying. Before you get angry and maybe walk out, realize all I'm doing is preaching God's word. So if it says something that you don't like, it says something that offends you, realize God is trying to teach you something that maybe he wants you to change, not that the Bible has to change. Amen? Amen. And, and I can sit up here and give a, a talk, honestly, about alcohol. And statistically speaking, one out of ten of you deal with alcohol. And I can preach that sermon and help all of you because the word of God is profitable for everyone, but only one in ten of you can apply that sermon to your life. If I preach on mental health, statistically speaking, two out of ten of you are dealing with silent depression. Which is why next collection of talks in mid-May and mid-June, for four weeks we're going to talk about mental health, depression, anxiety. I'm going to talk about my depression, what God did to get me out of it. I'm hoping it's going to help you. But only two out of ten of you are dealing with depression. If I preach on sex, though, 10 out of 10 of you struggle with that. Because everyone's sexual in this room. At least I hope you are. And the reality is that, that the way we're doing sex in our culture, it's killing us, not helping us. Let me, let me give you, read you some statistics that uh, prove this. 95% of teenagers are exposed to pornography by the age of 14 in this country. 40% of the content on the internet is pornographic in nature. One in every four Google searches is for porn. One, this is the, the two statistics that like broke my heart. One in every 10 children is sexually abused by the age of 18, and one in every four women is sexually assaulted by college. Crazy. Instead of protecting the most vulnerable, we're hurting them. 50% of all high schoolers in America today have a sexual experience by, by the time they graduate. And if you are Latino, Latina, or black, you are one and a half times more likely to graduate high school with a kid. The number one reason for divorce in America is infidelity. Can we all just agree the way we're doing sex is hurting us? Uh, I, I have a, a screenshots on my phone, 20 different articles written by secular people, not even Christians. And they're saying consent, that's the new language, consent is no longer enough. Maybe the sexual revolution is hurting us, not helping us. And the, the, the real root of the problem is that we all went to high school, we went to maybe elementary school, they taught us what was called sex ed. They taught us the biology of sex. This is not that sermon. Because that sermon that the schools taught that said, all you need is protection, just wear a condom and you'll be safe. But the reality is that that talk did not help us. All it did was prevent us from getting pregnant and prevent us from getting an STD but it didn't protect our heart. Because sex is more than just skin on skin. It is emotional. It is relational. Listen, it is spiritual. And it wasn't just the school system that failed us. Listen, even our culture and the arts, every pornographic video is an exaggeration of reality. The guys are on steroids. The women have had plastic surgery. And everything is photoshopped. And then young boys at the age of 14 are watching these videos thinking that's reality. And that's not just the porn movies. It's, it's even the TV shows. Like I remember in college, my favorite TV show was Friends. Anybody love Friends? Team Ross here. They were on a break. Come on. They were on a break. Talk about it. And uh, there was this, this dude on the internet who did a body count 
of the number of sexual partners on the TV show Friends, 138. I know Joey Tribbiani had a lot of issues, but bro, that's a lot. And I wrote down like this, the exaggeration of sex in art has become the expectation of sex in life. And you think what you see, everyone's doing, and it's not reality. It's an exaggeration. And listen, even in the music, I love Lionel Richie. But bro, all night long? (laughs) Have you had sex, bro? It's exhausting, bro. I wonder, what are you doing that other people are not doing? Let me help you define what the Bible says. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 2. This is the first time sex shows up in the scriptures. Then the Lord God made the woman. Someone said the woman. From the rib. She didn't make Eve from Adam's feet because he's not above her. And he didn't make her from his head because she's not above him but from her, his side, because they're co-heirs, they're equal. Come on. And was taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be call, called woman. What you don't see in the English is often in the scriptures, it is brought, this verse is by itself, because he's literally, this is a poetic song that he's singing. Listen, this is why all the musicians get the girls. This is biblical. <laughs> it's just true. For which she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. Someone say one flesh. The scriptures are going to teach you that sex is not just biological. It is marital, sexual, and, listen, spiritual. It's marital because in the very first wedding, God walked Eve down the aisle to Adam. And then he was the first efficient in the first wedding. In every culture... Whether it's a Christian culture or a pagan culture, or you go to the tribes of South America, there is always a mediator. There is always an efficient. You can call him a priest. You can call him a judge. You can call him a tribe leader. There's always someone in between the man and the woman because they're signifying this is, this is you're, someone who's greater than both of you is officiating this wedding because yeah. it's marital. But then it's also sexual. That, 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 that in the same way that Lego pieces complement one another, that the two are becoming one, that the man gives and the woman receives, there's something sexual that's happening. And anybody as a kid love ne- uh, Nesquik? Nesquik. Maybe you're too old or too young. I love strawberry, by the way. Way better than chocolate. Boo! It's okay. You're glad you're paying attention. But Nesquik is awesome because you had two things that were different, milk and sugar, and the two became one. Imagine you saying, I don't want this anymore. I want milk, Daddy. There's no way any parent could separate the sugar from the milk. In the same way, when you have sex, you cannot separate the bond that is happening. And that's why in the Old Testament, when you had sex with a virgin, often when you broke the law, what would happen is they would stone you. Some of you Californians are super excited about that. No, this is a different kind of stone, like literally with rocks. Pay attention, please. They didn't just throw you in prison. When you stood before the judge, when you had sex with a virgin, they'd say, ha, 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 happily married after. Because when you had sex with someone for the first time, it was marriage. 20 sheep, three cows, and a partridge in a pear tree. Have a nice life. And they'd send you off. Even in California, you can get married. As pagan as America is, as pagan as California is, 
It's the darkest blue state in America. I know this because all the Republicans moved out during COVID. They left. <laughs> Don't get offended. In California, if you get married and 30 days later, you're like, I want a divorce. If you did not have sex, it's not divorce. It's annulment. Because even in California, the marriage isn't consummated until you have sex. It's the seal of marriage. It's not just marital. It's not just physical. Listen, it is spiritual. Someone say one flesh. That Hebrew word is echad. E-C-H-A-D. Some of you went to public school. Let me explain what this word means. It means many becoming one. The only other time it's used a bunch of times in the Old Testament, but God, one of the most powerful times he uses it is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. There was this verse that the Jewish people had to say in the morning and in the evening. It's called, there was this verse that the Jewish people had to say in the morning and in the evening. It's called the Great Shema. Parents would teach their kids at the age of four to memorize this verse. They say, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is, someone say one. One. That God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God, this plural is one. In the same way, when a husband and wife to come together, they are one like God. Because it's not just marital, it's not just physical. Listen, it is spiritual. Watch what happens the very first time Adam and Eve have sex. Look at this verse. Adam and Eve... And his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Someone say, no shame. Because no when you do sex God's way, there's no shame. In our culture, when you have sex with someone who you just met at the club, what do you call it? The walk of shame. shame. Think about that. When you do sex God's way, there's no shame, which is point number one. I want to tell you this. Sex is not shameful. Amen. Sex is not shameful. Which is why the moment I told you we're talking about sex, some of you got tight. Mm, your booty went, mm. And you leaned over to your partner. I'm so sorry I invited you today. Come back next week. Some of the boyfriends bought your girlfriend. You're like, oh, my God. You haven't even, like, looked at her since I said we're talking about sex. Just straightforward. Don't make any sudden movements. Why do we get awkward? Why do we get so uncomfortable when we talk about sex? Because here's why. We don't talk about it in the homes, and we rarely talk about it in the church. Any parent in here knows there's always going to come a moment where your kids are naked in the shower, you're bathing them, and they start touching things. You're like, no, stop. And your kids are like. <laughs> and now they're ashamed of their bodies. And then maybe you didn't experience it, but I definitely did. My mom would watch sometimes radar movies with me because she wasn't, she didn't want to like put me in the bedroom. So she'd, her favorite movie as a kid, as a kid growing up was Dirty Dancing. And there was always a scene where they would get it on. She's like, close your eyes. I have a mom's hand in front of me. I hear it. And then I'm like, mom, are they in the gym? Why is everyone breathing heavy? And my mom, sex is dirty, shameful. We're not going to talk about it. And when you don't talk to your kids about sex, listen, two dangers happen. The first is if you don't talk to them, someone else will. And whoever comes first defines it. And whoever comes second, your kids are skeptical. Do you really want a 10-year-old, a fifth grader, define, giving your kids sexual theology? Listen, most fifth graders are idiots, okay? They have no clue. If anything, they're learning from porn, which is the worst place to learn from. So I'm going to give you three resources. There's an image. I have these books. 
These are books that I think you should bring to your kids. The first one is The Story of Me. This is for a three-year-old and a five-year-old in that age group. Is that not too early? No. Let me tell you why. Disney is now trying to push sex in every movie they possibly can. Next one is this other book called The Wonderful Way Babies Are Made. It gives young kids a theology and an understanding of the biblical sex. And the last one, let me tell you, you can read that book with your wife and make another baby. It's so graphic. (laughs) It's going there. And I get asked this question, when should I start having that conversation? A decade ago, a generation ago, you could wait until high school. I'm telling you, if your kids are 10, it's too late. Seven, eight, nine years old, you got to start young in this generation. You want to get there first. Second reason, if you don't talk about it, your kids will think it's shameful. I was watching this video this last week preparing, and there was this pedophile. And he was talking about how he would find kids that he could attack and hurt. And he'd tell, the way he discovered it is he'd tell a secret to the kid, and he'd find out if it got back to the parent. And then he knew this family doesn't talk about things. This family has secrets. you got to talk about these things. Because, listen, when you don't, when they're abused, they won't come to you. When they're in high school and maybe in a, a moment of passion to get pregnant, instead of coming to you for help, they'll go to your, their friends. And even when you're not doing anything wrong, you're 14, you see a beautiful person, and your body's like, ding, 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 right? And because your parents never told you, you think it's sin. And it's not. Listen, let me help some of you. I wrote like this. Sin is not attraction. Sin is what you do after the attraction. And the, the thing I'm hoping you understand is that it's not just a problem with little kids. It's also in the church. How many of you grew up in church? I did not grow up in church. Some of you grew so in In the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a thing called purity culture. And I was never part of it, but I heard that they would give these 12, 13-year-old girls and boys rings. And you go up to a little kid, you're like, oh, my gosh, you're, what's that thing on your finger? Oh, I'm married. It's like, oh, who's the name of the pedophile? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that's a wonderful evangelism strategy. And I get the heart behind it, but the teachings were so off that boys are blue and girls are pink. No purple. No purple. And you will never hang out, hang out with anyone. And there's th- this idea that it's shameful. Let's not talk about it. And, and then I would disciple guys who grew up in that culture. And they would tell me after they came back from their honeymoon, like, Pastor Ali, it just felt so weird. I felt guilty having sex with my wife. I'm like, why? I'm like, did you cross the line before? Like, no, I just, just felt off. And it's because they never talked about it. Yeah. And I want to help some of you. Sex is not shameful. But let me tell you what it is. Sex is God-designed. Sex is God-designed. I'm going to take you to the, probably one of the most controversial controversial verses in the New Testament. And these are Jesus' words. And he answered them in Matthew 19, verse 4 and 5. He answered them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is talking about gender. This is talking about orientation. It's talking about sex only in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. And he says, have you not read? And let me tell you why that is so important. Because there is this sexual revolution that happened in America in the 60s, but it's now creeping into the church. You know, most of the sexual deviation that happens in the church, that, that theology is, is not birthed in any other country. The vast majority is born and it's 
birthed out of America. Why? Because our country was formed and birthed out of rebellion. Don't tell me what to do. And this is, this is not a political statement, but when the pandemic first hit, we had no clue what was happening. And they said, please wear masks. Guess which was the one country which didn't want to wear masks? Don't tell me what to do. That, I'm not for masks or against masks. You can come to this church with a Halloween mask. If I, don't, I don't care. That's not my point. The point I'm trying to make is when we were told to wear them, we were like, don't tell me what to do. And we bring that attitude to this. Don't tell me what to do. And this ain't a rule book. If you think that, you've missed it. This is an owner's manual. This is, when I bought my wife a Toyota Highland, she wanted an SUV, so if they get into an accident, she wins. That's why I got her a big car. And they gave her an owner's manual. And as a kid growing up, my dad would teach me, hey, you got to change your oil every 3,000 miles. With this Highlander, it took synthetic oil. So it was every five to 7,000. I was like, oh, it's different. And the owner's manual said, if you want this thing to go to 100,000 miles, you have to do these things or you're going to hurt the vehicle. Imagine if I said, I don't feel like changing my oil. I want to go 20. Don't tell me what to do. You can certainly do that. But when the car breaks down, because it was designed not to do that. And Here's the crazy part. I was researching during the sermon. They said in the last 20 years, they had to add to the owner's manual this one line, do not drive in water. <laughs> the reason why, as crazy as that sounds, because modern cars, people thought, oh, this is new, it's better, there's a foot of water, I need to get through this. They thought, this is a boat. And they thought, oh, my car can drive through water. Listen, even if it feels like a boat, I'm not talking about boats and cars. Even if it feels like a boat, you were manufactured to be a car. And you will drive yourself to places that will hurt you, not help you. Listen, you gotta, it's designed. It's, God created us to be a certain way. And uh, I have, someone say facts. I'm gonna read you some sex. When you do sex God's way, watch what statistics say this. That did you know that the, the, the people that have the most sex, married couples have more sex than single people. Someone say facts. facts. That's, you'll never hear that in a porn video. You'll never see that on TV. You'll never hear that song sung. And the reason why is because the lie is per perpetrated in our culture, but the reality is when you do sex God's way, it's more fulfilling. And he goes even deeper and says, watch this. That, uh, you would, may think like, oh, no, no, the reason they have more sex pastorality is because they're living together. Well, the statistics show this. Couples that cohabitate before, which means they're living together before marriage, are, have higher rates of divorce than those that don't. Why? Because when you don't do sex God's way, it hurts you. It doesn't help you. Someone shout facts. The University of Florida did a study where they tried to realize who is having the most satisfying sex, married people or single people. And they found out that married people have better sex than single people. Can all the married people just give a shout of joy to God? Come on. <laughs> And this is the best part. Study shows that women who are married have 50%, 15% more orgasms than single women. I said that word in church, get over it. Because <laughs> when you do it God's way, it's more satisfying. This one's going to hurt. We are living in a generation that more men are suffering from erectile dysfunction than any other generation in American history. 
Because you can't look at the exaggeration three or four times a week and then masturbate to that and then look at your wife who's living in reality and have any passion for her. Get uncomfortable. It's okay. I'm coming for you. That's why the exaggeration will never satisfy the expectation. Because if you do it God's way, it's, it's different. And most of you will push back and go, Pastor Ali, I'm not a car or a boat. That metaphor breaks down. I agree with you. Because when a car crashes, you can take it to the mechanic shop and fix it. When you crash sexually, the damage is permanent. Why? Sex is powerful. It's the third point. I try to learn how to say this in Spanish. I'm, I'm not going to even try. Ponde Soroso or something like that? Daylin is like hiding back there. I apologize. I didn't have any Taco Bell today. Matthew, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Someone say one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. They did this recent study about 10 years ago where they tried to realize why are infants so physically attached to their mom? Is it because they spent so much time in the womb? And there is some truth to that, but they realized that when a mom is nursing her baby, there are two hormones, neural hormones that are released, oxytocin and vasopressin. That literally, the way that God designed our bodies, a mom and an infant are being chemically attached to one another. Listen, that hormone is not released when you high-five someone. <laughs> that hormone is not released when you give someone a long hug. That hormone is not even released when you make out with that person. That hormone is only released when you have sex. It's as if God made us sex like tape. That he wants you to be attached, stuck to that person. And the problem with our culture teaching sex the way it is, you'll hear these things, it's just physical. If you're hungry, eat. If you're thirsty, drink. If you're horny, have sex. And the problem is a condom will only protect you from having an STD or pregnancy. But I wrote down like this, you can't put a condom on your heart. You can't protect your soul. Because... That's why Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6. There's more sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two shall become one. Someone say one. Since we become, we want to become spiritually one with the master, we we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. There's this massive lie perpetuated by a lot of sociologists, many, many even celebrities, that we were not created for monogamy. That it's foolish to, to go into marriage and marry one person, and they give you this lie that marriage is where sex goes to die. We're created to be, have multiple partners. And the reality is science is actually proving that lie wrong. Because when you have sex with someone and you marry them, it's, you're stuck. But what they found is when you do this, you you can't see it, but some of the hairs on this shirt are on that tape. And a part of me leaves when that person leaves. And when I do it again, and then do it again, what ends up happening is this thing actually 
loses its stickiness. And this is science now. Science says this, that the more sexual partners you have, the less sticky you become. And they found, they measured the levels of oxytocin in vasopressin in people who had multiple partners before marriage. And they actually found that you, you produce less. They actually took this information and they tried to study people who have divorce. If you have less than one sexual partner, the divorce rate is less than 5%. But the moment that number of sexual partners jumps to four or five before marriage, it skyrockets. Why? Because God designed you to be with one person. With one person. So, let's make this super practical because today's a teaching sermon, not a preaching sermon. I want to say this to all the single people. Can all the single people make some noise if you're not awkward? (laughs) Apparently, I'm single right now because my wife said, yeah. Excuse me while I take this off, okay? (laughs) All the single people, not including my wife, okay? Before marriage, set boundaries. Someone say set boundaries. Now, the moment I say that, the first question you're going to ask is, how far is too far? As if I'm a youth pastor again, discipling 12-year-olds and 18-year-olds. How far can I go, Pastor Ali, before it's sex? What's sex and what's not sex? Let me tell you, that's the worst question to ask. In 2021, uh, New York, the city of New York City, they ban dogs on subways. And this was the actual, watch this. It says, no person may bring any animal into on any conveyance or facility unless enclosed in a container. That dog is walking, bro. It's wearing an Ikea bag as a dress at this point. Look at the next picture. That, that's, that's not what the rule meant, okay? That's a wolf in a, on a subway right there. Look at this next one. This is awful. <laughs> it's a Hiberian Husky in a backpack. The reason why they created this rule, listen, because subways are packed and people are next to each other and the dogs were biting people or people were inadvertently stepping on the dogs. The rule wasn't meant to control you. It was meant to help you. So instead of asking, how close can I get, your attitude should be like this. 1 Corinthians 6, flee, which means run from sexual immorality. This is why you can't manage sexual sin. This is why you cannot fight it. God never promises victory over it. The only way to win is to run. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But sexual immorality, a person sins against their own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's make this super practical. Let me give you two examples. Single people. We're not going to cuddle under the blanket alone at home watching Netflix, watching a romantic movie while drinking wine. It's not sin, it's just stupid. (laughs) Another example, we're not going to talk past 2 a.m. 
because all those combos tend to be extremely spicy. For my Spanish people, that's muy caliente, okay? <laughs> Nothing happens good after 2 a.m. Pastor Al, we, we live together. Well, do you have to? No, no, no. If we don't, it's too expensive in the Bay Area. One of us will be homeless. Cool. Go buy an air mattress. No, Pastor Al, you don't understand. We love Jesus. We can both sleep in the same bed, under the same blanket, and not have sex. Assuming, I don't think you're a pathological liar at this point. Should you marry a person you don't want to have sex with? Because if, if they're good looking and you're good looking and everything's supposed to be working the way it's supposed to, why aren't you all over them? Come on. And the, the thing I'm trying to point out is, I don't have it with me. Actually, it's right here. Anyone in this room have an iPhone? Raise your hand if you have an iPhone. Okay, I didn't ask Android. We're not talking about, no, no, keep your hand up. This is not uh, paperweight hour. This is real iPhone hour. Okay, now keep your hand up if you have one of these, a case. It, no, 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 sorry. Let me re-ask the question. Put your hand up if you have an iPhone. Leave your hand up if you don't have a case. If you don't have a case, these are all the crazy people in the church. What's wrong with you guys? Most of us know this thing is $1,500, right? And so what do we do? Even though we love, value, and know this thing is precious, we know we make mistakes. We do things like this, and it won't break. So what do we do? We create boundaries, knowing we're going to hurt ourselves. You crazy people with iPhones who don't have a case, you're basically saying, I never make mistakes. I'm perfect. I walk on water. You're crazy. And the sad part is, for those of you watching online, 90% of the room are spirit-filled because they have an iPhone. There's 2% demons in here. <laughs> Three people kept their hand up. They don't have a case. Which means most of you spend more time protecting your phone than your soul. That you'll go out of your way to protect this when you can buy another one for 1400 bucks. But your body's a temple of the living God. And the scriptures say it's a masterpiece. And, and sex is powerful. And a condom won't protect what God is trying to put inside of you. I want to say it like this. And I hope it doesn't offend you. Sex before marriage is not good. But it's also not the end. It's not the end. Some of you who are religious, like, oh, you're just going to give them a free pass? No. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. And the good news is, is God knew. I almost had this analogy. I was going to pass out a rose and just have it go around the room. And at this point, I was like, hey, where's the rose? And say, look how dirty the rose is. This is what happens to you when you don't do sex God's way. And it's like, God wants the rose. No matter how broken, no matter how perfect, Jesus wants a relationship with you. It's not the end. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it with, there is hope. There is redemption. There, you can start your life over with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Someone say new creation. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. I do bad things, but I'm a new creation. The devil will tell you your do is your who. That what you do is defines you. But it's not. What you do can change. Who you are is defined by him, not by, by your behavior. You may have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. That's the difference. 
And when you believe the lie of the enemy that your do is your who, you will stay in that broken state because you think that's your identity. God says, no, no, no. You are who I say that you are. Your, your do is not your who. And I wrote it down like this. I don't know when the worst decision of your life was made, but I do know that today you can make the best decision of your life. On the day that my wife and I got married, we did not have sex before marriage, but neither of us were virgins because we had sex with other people before we got married. But it had been a decade after my wife got, became a Christian that she got married, and in that decade, she never was with anyone. And with myself, it had been seven years after I became a Christian that I did not have sex until the wedding night. And even though we weren't virgins, let me tell you, it felt like the very first time. Because God can bring purity to your heart if you let him. Sex is powerful. It's not shameful. And he designed it. And God wants to put parameters. The same parameters and boundaries that you put on an iPhone he wants on your sexuality. Amen? Amen. Married people. I need a standing ovation for this next point. Sex after marriage is amazing. Come on. I told him to do this. That was totally planned, by the way. (laughs) Let's make it super practical. So after marriage, have sex. Have sex. And all the single people are like, wait, what do you mean? Why do you have to tell them? Are they not having sex every day? It's like, no, we're tired sometimes. If the 14-year-old me saw how beautiful my wife was and knew I wasn't having sex every day, he would karate chop me in the throat. (laughs) What do you mean you're not having sex every day? Get saved again. What's wrong with you? I get asked all the time, Pastor Ali, how often? Honestly, probably as often, so often you need to schedule it to remind yourself. Because if sex brings you together, the lack of sex may tear you apart. I get asked all the time, Pastor Alex, should we have a number? How often? I can't. I, I can't give you a number. Some of you are super upset with me. But it would bring shame if I did. It would bring guilt. Because for every couple, it's different. And you need to find that healthy rhythm where you both feel your sexual needs are, and desires are being met. But having said that, I'm going to give you a number. And it's not biblical, but it's based on a theological principle and silly stats. I'm making myself very clear on that. Silly statistics and a biblical principle. And the stats are this. Follow along. I know you went to public school. Follow along. (laughs) Doctors say if you want a healthy heart, go to the gym three times a week. Pastors will say if you want a healthy spiritual heart, go to church every week. So between three and one, we got two. And let me tell you why I want you to do two. Because statistically speaking, they say the average couple, who's a C, by the way, average is C, has sex just underneath one time a week. But we go to bold. We're at least B students here. (laughs) Preach it, pastor. And God designed sex, listen to me, not prayer. Some of you want to spiritualize spiritual habits. God creates sex not just to be pleasurable, but the thing that keeps you together. When you feel like walking away, 
Yeah, that is your prescription. Go be one. Go be one. That's why Paul says this. A wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, a husband does not have authority over his body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps, this is interesting, by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Fellas, if you ask her for sex and she says no, you're like, oh, you're praying? When are you done praying? Let me know. That's what it, what it seems to be saying. Can I pray with you to know when you're done praying? Then come together again. I'm trying to make the scriptures fun because God's a fun God. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Let me tell you, everyone in this room, in a couple, married couples, there's one with a high sex drive and one with a low sex drive. What I don't want you to do is take this verse, like, you're the pastor. We gotta be biblical. I just wanna do what the Lord says. As for me in this house, we're gonna obey the Lord. No! No. If you have to use this verse to force sex, you've missed it. There's a difference between love and lust. And you're like, no, no, no I, I can't lust after my wife. I got a ring on. It has nothing to do with whether you have a ring or not. It has everything to do with the motive of the heart. Lust is about taking. Love is about giving. God doesn't lust after us. God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Listen, you can bring sexual sin even when you're married. The first one is lust. The second one is when you bring a third person. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam, Eve, and Trish, okay? Don't even do it digitally. But I get asked all the time, oh, I want this position. What does your wife want? No. Well, then don't force it because then you're just using her. 80% of men, they say, are stimulated visually. And you need to know this. Ladies, if you want to arouse your man, wear something nice or nothing at all. Both work. Both work. Very well, by the way, let me tell you. But late, fellas, you got to listen to this. God designed women not to be aroused visually, but emotionally. Did you check out the trash? Did you ask her how her day was? Did you emotionally connect? Did you give her non-physical touch, non-sexual touch. How are you around the kids? Are you present? Think how crazy God is that he gave us both this desire, but we fulfill it differently. Because if we both were stimulated with our eyes, I would just go, honey, you ready? And boom, we'd be ready to go. Listen, I... I slap my wife in the butt almost every day. Doesn't mean anything. One time, one time my wife slapped me in the butt, kids, go to bed. Mom, it's three o'clock, go to bed. Because it's different. The most fulfilling sex that you'll ever have is when you're giving the other person not what you want, but what they want. Because when you're both taking, that's toxic. That's a toxic relationship. When one person's serving and the other one's taking, that's an abusive relationship. But when you're both giving, that's when it's healthy. And the wisdom I wanna give, just, not just the married people, not just the single people, is both of you, before and after marriage, 
is this, be filled. Probably the biggest complaint I hear, the biggest frustration in marriage is, is one person is trying to love the other person, but their reservoir is empty. I'm empty. They've just hurt me too much. I don't have that in me anymore. And you're right. Sometimes you don't. But they're not called to fill you. Watch what the scriptures say. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. That's a phrase in that culture that everyone would use. And Paul is speaking to it, but then he's tearing it down. And God destroys them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Someone say within you. Whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let me end with this one last thought. In the Garden of Eden, before sex, Adam and Eve were in the perfect presence of God. That's what satisfied them. And then in addition to the presence of God, they got the benefit of sexual oneness. But sex wasn't what was filling them. Follow along. And then when sin entered the world, the presence of God was gone. For the, so now this longing for the transcendent, this longing to feel alive, the greatest emotion is sexual emotion. That's why drugs, the best drugs, they give you a high similar to sex. And what God is saying here is saying, I want to fill you so that I'm the one that satisfies you. I'm the one that gives you what another person can't. In Japanese culture, they have this phrase that each of us have two stomachs. That you can eat pizza, you can eat McDonald's, but until you eat rice, you're not satisfied. All of you have two stomachs. You can drink from the world, sex, drugs, porn, everything. But until you eat from that second stomach, which is God, you will never be satisfied. You need to be filled with him, with every eye closed and every head bowed.